Thank you and welcome all of our new friends and family today. Amen. Welcome back some old friends. We are glad that you're here. And so I just want to kind of start a, a different way today. Let me tell you what you got into by showing up in case you haven't figured it out yet. It, it gets crazier now. So let me tell you kind of who we are and what we're doing here. Amen. In, in, in a way that I kind of like to do it. So let's do it this way. All right. Welcome to the sanctuary. I hope you found this real easy. We put a sign on the building to make it clear. Yes, it's a church. No, you don't have to fear or steer clear. It's still safe to come near. We're a little different than you might be used to. No hats, makeup, or tattoos. That's old school. Ladies with beards, that's just weird. That's religion. We might not wear fancy suits, but that's not irreverence. God didn't mention any of that when he said, do this in remembrance. Love me, he said. That's the greatest command. And the second is just like it. Love your fellow man. Now, you probably heard the church's hypocritical, judgmental, narrow-minded, and that's all it's ever been. Listen, we're all imperfect people trying to live in a world that celebrates his sin. So grab a chair, because if you're being real, you'll probably fit right in. No, you didn't like that? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, and that's a fact. And in case you're checking, the book of Luke is where that's at. And all the other stuff you've ever heard, you can leave it at the door. If it's not in the book, don't bring it up here no more. Actually, church isn't even a building. Church is a people. It's not about the walls or the lights or a steeple. It's not about fancy productions, though some put on a show. Too often we follow people when it's the book we should know. Bible. Me. Me, I'm just Pastor George. I don't change my name every season like Yandi or Jesus. I'm a nobody that knows somebody you should know. I make it clear his name is Jesus. He came from heaven to earth to be us because he loved us enough to free us. Gospel. Today is a brand new day. I'm so glad you came through. We've been pressing everyone here to bring someone special and that someone special that they brought is you. So I'm going to stop now. It's not all going to rhyme because I'm just not that clever. But thank you for joining us. The title for the message today is Together. 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 Amen. Together. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Amen? Amen? Together is such a powerful theme throughout the scriptures. Most well-known verse in the Bible, John 3.16. All right, let's go. Can we go back to basics today for a minute? Is that all right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, that whosoever shall not but have. Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Verse 17 says, For God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Isn't that a different picture of religion? 
Isn't that a different picture that people get of religion? God didn't send his son to judge the world, but to save the world. The most powerful (coughs) and shocking implication behind that is that God wants to be together with us. I don't know if the weight of that has ever hit you. But the God of the universe wants to be together with us. That he actually loves us. That he actually wants to be with us. Some of you might not see that yet. You, you might have your own issues with church and with God. And, and I'm, all, all I can tell you is everything I've experienced. For me, everything I've experienced in God tells me that's true. It tells me everything points that he loves you. And the only way that I can think about to even start to express that um, is, is to... You, you, we have to look through the eyes of a father. And so immediately came to mind as I was thinking about this. How many of you remember the movie John Q? Whoa. Denzel Washington. It was a story about a father whose nine-year-old son needed a life-saving heart transplant. But the insurance wouldn't cover it and so the hospital wouldn't do it. But he loves his son so much that he couldn't stand to see him sick anymore. I'm talking about a father who loves their son so much that he couldn't stand to see him sick anymore. He couldn't stand to to see him in pain anymore, to, to not be enjoying life. And so what the father does, he takes the emergency room hostage, not with the goal of harming anybody or doing anything bad. He, he takes the emergency room hostage with the goal of taking his own life so that he can give his heart to his son. Now, that's not the same thing, but it can help you start to understand the love of a parent. Amen? The equivalent would be closer to him actually giving his nine-year-old son's heart so that someone else can live. And that we can't even conceive about, right? Any parents? Giving your son's heart away so that someone else can live. Someone that might not even be grateful. Someone that might not even be thankful. Someone that might not even be, in our opinion, worth it. Can you imagine giving your son's heart away to someone that might not even be thankful? That might not even come to you and say thank you. That might not even be grateful. That might not even be a good person in our opinion. Paul talks about this in Romans. He says, uh, Romans 5, he says, While we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God. Christ died... We have a picture in our mind that Christ died for good people, that Christ died for Christ died while we were still a mess. Christ died for the ungodly. A version says it that way. While we were still a mess, Christ died. God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, he died. And so this introduces the most scandalous concept that you'll ever hear about in church. Uh, I, I've taught on it, I've studied it, I've read books about it, and I still can't get my mind or even scratch the surface of it. It's the topic of grace. Grace. The Hebrew word for grace literally means favor, goodness. 
So grace is God's unmerited favor, his goodness toward those who have no claim and no reason to expect it. Like wow goes there. Say wow. Grace is a gift. I've used this quote from a book before, but I love it. Listen, listen to how this one person describes grace. He says, grace sneaks into a crack house and holds the baby in the crib. It breaks into the prison and sets the dealer free. Grace says, come, let's reason together when the other side is incapable of true reason. Grace has its reasons for which reason knows nothing. And so the the thought of us being together with God can only be established through the gift of grace. And so the full gospel is this. God made it perfectly. We broke it willfully. Jesus redeems it totally. That's the gospel. Amen? That's all you needed today. You're free to leave. Grab some coffee on the way. Oh, coffee's gone. No, you can't. Sorry, too late. That's grace. Amen? And if you're not really familiar, listen, if you're, if you're new to all this and you're not really familiar with the Bible other than some stories that you heard growing up, and, and in most of those stories there's usually this underlying thought or implication that separates the people that you're reading about from the people that you know or the people that you are, right? There's a separation. Anybody ever felt that when you read the Word, you know, that one time you cracked it open because you had nothing else to do or whatever, and, and you feel like the people you're reading about, there's a separation from them and you from the people that you are. Like the story of Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. So there's a people. And then later on when Moses is fleeing from them and God allows to part the Red Sea and all that incredible stuff, uh, it was God's people is so that God's people could be delivered. And then the enemies were killed. So there was this theme of God's people, right? So there's always this separation between those that were considered God's people and the outsiders. And many times we look at scriptures like we're the outsider. Anybody been in church and you ever felt like an outsider? If you're visiting today, you might feel like an outsider. I hope we made you feel welcome. I hope you got enough hugs. If you didn't get enough, we got more. There's more. Amen? But sometimes we, 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 when, we, when we talk about the scriptures, when we talk about God's people, when we talk about um, there's a separate, we feel like outsiders. And in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they were the original OGs, right? They were considered God's people. And back then it was, it was uh, by birth, by nationality, and so they were the Jewish nation. And so even though they hardly ever did what God told them to do, it was like they were in because they were his people, right? And so the Gentiles... That's the other group, basically covered everyone else. You were either a Jew or a Gentile. And, and the Jews were God's people, while the Gentiles were, for the most part, enemies of God. Right? Anybody read the word, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that thinking, that mindset is still evident today. Maybe not always in a Jewish-Gentile thing, but in a God's people and not God's people thing. And that mindset affects how we react to things like church, and religion, and even God. And if in your mind you think that God has his people, and you might not be those people, then the scandalous concept of grace is is lost, because you'll never understand it. In our worldview, we say that those are church people, and then we have to decide whether or not we want to be those people. 
I can guarantee you that there's people in here today that didn't want to come because they didn't want to be like church people. Because the church people that they know might not have been nice people. Uh, right? Not in here, but you know. <laughs> Other places. But remember, the, the, the Son of God came not to, not to judge, but to save, right? And so, can, I, I just want to teach you a little, a little scripture today. I'm going to give you a little lesson real quick. Hopefully, you can take that with you and it'll, it'll, it'll be good. Amen? Amen? Lean in, lean in. So, one of the big things we see, this, we find this in Ephesians 2. And is that Jesus comes to deal with the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, God's people and the not God's people. And so he speaks to us today about the togetherness of God. I want to talk to you about togetherness. Amen? And so in Ephesians 2, Jesus breaks down the walls of division between these two people. Here it is in verse 11. 2 verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, that's us, the Gentiles, non-Jews, amen? Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. We weren't Jews. And strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, somebody say, but now. But now. <laughs> that was a big but. But now, in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near. That's for somebody today. You who were far away have been brought near. For he himself is our peace and who has made the two groups one. And he's destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access. Church, would would somebody receive that today? Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your last name is, what country you're from, what religion you thought you were a part of, whatever. We both have access today. In one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow, fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So what Paul was telling the people of Ephesus is that the gospel put us all on the same standing. It brought us all together. The beautiful part about the scriptures and, and, and about this, this breaking down of, of separation. Listen, I, I don't know what you've heard and, and, and what I want you to hear and remember today is that you and I, Gentile, Puerto Rican, Dominican, African, Italian, Jew, Jew he calls us his people. We're God's people. And I know... Everything around you sometimes want to fight that or some things in your past want to come against that. But God calls you His. You're here today because God calls you His. Ephesians 1, 4 says, watch all the he and us here. I want you to get this. Watch all, listen for all the he and the us. 
Ephesians 1, it says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love, He predestined us to adoption. You've been adopted. Do do you get that? Before you were given up, you were adopted. Before your mother, your father abandoned you, you were already adopted. It says, before the beginning of the foundation of the world, He (coughs) predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind of intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Somebody needs to hear this today. There's forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness for you. Some of you are holding on to things that you did years and years ago. Some of you have maybe that one thing. Some of you have that one encounter. Maybe it was when you were young. Maybe it was, maybe it was recent. But you're holding on to that one thing. And, and as hard as this is for some of us to even say, there's forgiveness even for that. Last week I used a puzzle as an illustration when we were talking about you that they would bring today. We, you know, we had a meeting last week and we talked about you. You should have heard the things they told me. I'm surprised some of you came. But it's good to see you. Like a puzzle, I gave this illustration of a, of a puzzle last week and I gave everybody a puzzle piece, told them they got to play their part. I got pieces left too if, if you need to get, get one. Like a puzzle, only when we're together do we paint this incredible picture of the love of God. And that's, I love that. Because in a puzzle, there's not one piece that's more important than the others. Isn't that, isn't that cool? There's no, like you, if you buy like a, let's say you buy a Christian puzzle. There's no piece that says, oh, this is the pastor. And this is, no. Any one of those could be the leadership. Any one of those. Why? We're all the same. Isn't that amazing? We're all, there's no pastoral pieces in Christian puzzles. Some pastors think they are, but they're not. There's not. There's nothing special about any. The only thing that's special is that if one piece is missing, it ruins the whole picture. I'm so happy that some missing pieces came back today. It's, it's such a prettier picture with you involved. Amen? Together, we make up the body of Christ. It's a beautiful, holy setup, engineered from the start. The only way that I can give you to try to maybe help you understand the way all these pieces fit, have you ever built anything from Ikea? Right, right? You can, you can probably go to Ikea and buy this entire stage with the stairs, with the, with, the, with the baptistry, with the instruments, and it'll come in one box. It'll weigh a thousand pounds. It'll be this thin. 
But here's, here's the, what I want you to get. Part A and piece 11 can only be held by a C-screw. The C-screw is the only one that will fit those two pieces. Now, you can try using a B-screw. You can try using an A-screw because in your eyes, they're identical. You say, why do I have three bags of screws, A, B, and C, and they look exactly the same? They're not. They have been engineered by the creator to fit a certain way. They're a certain size. And to do a certain, to fit, oh, come on, man, to, to play a certain part. You can try to do it your way, but eventually, men, here's the men, because we don't follow directions. We, we, we take that book and chuck it. We're like, I got this. I got this. Only when you're halfway through, the, the, the vision is in sight. You're like, I can see where the drawers go. I can see where I'm going to mount the TV. All I need is to put this. The holes are on the other side. You're, and you say, oh, that, that's all right, that's all right. I'll just take off this little piece and this little piece and, thi- and this little piece and this little piece and the base and the cover and the opening and you're back at the beginning. And the afternoon has been wasted. And, and so now this is where men, they go and they grab the book. They tell the wife, shh, shh, shh. Cállate. Get me something to drink and leave me alone. And now, now we start one, two, three, 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 right? Some of us are those C screws. Some of us are those part B's and section 11. And without every piece... It doesn't work. It won't function in the capacity or it won't have the strength that it was engineered to have. One thing you can say about the engineers in Germany or wherever that comes from, Switzerland, the meatballs, right? They're awesome, right? Anybody? <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was a side thing. Um, one thing you can say, they can take paper or cardboard and like build a building. It's just about it being engineered and every piece in the right place. That's the church. That's the church. You say, but I come here with all my flaws and I come here with this and that. I got a bad attitude sometimes. I got it. I got it. Listen, you, God built you. You were created to fit a part of this thing. Right? And, and not to say, I'm not saying you can bring your bad attitude. You can bring your, no, no. God, but, but God works on that. Amen? When, when you submit to being used in the plan, God starts to trim and do, do what he got to do to make you fit. Sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I got to whip out a drill and put an extra hole in some of those things. Maybe that's just me. 1 Corinthians 12, speaking of the church, it says, There are many parts, but only one body. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I came to tell somebody today, we make up one body. 
You belong, you're included, and you're a part. And we're in this together, amen? Amen. You may never have seen yourself as the people of God. You may never see yourself as church people. But I've seen some of you. You keep coming. You're church people. (laughs) You're church people, bro. (laughs) Amen? Amen? And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And God has put us here so that we can shine, so that we can be... Let's, let's, let's kind of clear something about you. Church people are not weak. Church people got to be the strongest people on the planet. Because we got to go against what everybody else says to do. It's easy to go the same way. If you go where everybody else is going, if you do what everybody else is doing, if you do it the way everybody else does it, that's easy. Right? Any clown can do that. When you say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I got to do it this way because the book tells me. Because the plan, I read the IKEA instructions and I know that this goes here. This doesn't go here. You're using it for this, but that's not what it was for. Come on. Come on. The church, I love this quote, the church is an invitation to be God's temple for those without a temple. I want to close our time today like this in a really, a really special way. So I'm going to ask those that are, that are helping me with this to come. And um, the worship team could come too. Let's get ready to... I want to seal something. I want to give every single one of you today, member, guest, regular, attender, first time, visitor, somebody that we just usher grabbed off the street because you passed by and you took too long. You were walking too slow so they threw you in. Come on! And sit over here in the front. That would Tony do that. <laughs> I'm going to give everybody an invitation and an opportunity to do something together today. Amen? Amen. Are you excited? Yeah. Nah, some of you are nervous. Yeah. I, I see the look in your faces. This is something that's... Those that are helping me can come. Where are they at? Oh, they're coming. All right, good. This is something that um, a lot of us might have some mixed feelings about. This is something that in a lot of circles they'll call a sacrament or it's uh, or some kind of ritual. Depending on how you grew up, this was something maybe other than what it's called to be. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. You guys come over here on the side. Yeah. Communion, if you look it up as a definition, it means sharing. Right? When you're in communion, it means the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So communion means, literally means sharing. And it's the greatest gift of unity that God has ever given us. Communion should not bring division, but unity. 
the picture that scripture gives us regarding this is much more intimate than a ritual or a sacrifice. It's, it's a picture of Jesus at the table. You know that picture that grandma has on the dining room? That selfie that Jesus took and all everybody sat on one side of the table? The picture is Jesus at the table. And he's sitting with those that are close to him as well as the one that's going to betray him. So let's think about that. There's at the table, there's church people and not church people. There's friends and there's enemies. There's good and there's bad if we want to look at it that way. At the table, though, there's an invitation for everyone. Wow. It says, he's sitting with those that were close to him as well as the one that was going to betray him. And he takes the bread and he gives thanks and he breaks it and he gives it to each of them. He gives it to each of them. Everyone at the table gets the bread. Not everyone at the table was a follower. There was one at the table that had already made a decision to betray him. There was one at the table that had already gotten to the point where he made deals already to be against him. There was, there was one at the table that had already put things in motion against him that didn't believe he was who he said he was, that would not receive who he said he was, he, he was and was not accepting it. But yet, it said Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to each of them. Saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten and he said, this cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. So he's saying, this is a picture of what I'm about to do. My body's going to be broken. My blood is going to be shed for those that are at my table. But everyone's welcome at my table. Now we've made this in church. We've made this a ritual. We've made it a sacrifice, a, a sacrament. We've made it. Uh, this, this is not salvation, just so you know. Eating bread and a, and a cracker doesn't save you. It's a picture of what does. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, a lot of places might tell you, you might have heard, if you're not a member, please don't, don't come forward, don't partake. This is for members only. If you're not, uh, if you haven't been baptized, if you don't have a paper from the office, don't come forward. This is for, for those only. If you don't tithe enough, don't come forward. This is for tithers only. I've heard it all. I came to tell everybody today that there's room at the table for all of you. And it's such a, 
It's such a beautiful picture of brokenness that I, 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 it hurts me when people um, dismiss it for two reasons. One of two reasons, usually. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not really right with God. I'm not worthy. So I'm going to let the emblems pass when they come or I'm not going to take an emblem. The Lord's Supper is the place where forgiveness is available. It's the place where the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed and offered to all who would receive it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, he gives these warnings about not doing this in an unworthy manner, about taking this seriously. About, he's not talking about, he wasn't talking to people who wanted to turn from their lives and turn to God. He wasn't talking to them. He was talking about to those that were making this a mockery and not, not taking it seriously. And they were using it as an opportunity, believe it or not, because back then it was done with real wine. We, we're not there yet. And bread. And so people were actually coming to communion and getting drunk. And that's what we read about in 1 Corinthians when he's, when he's addressing. And then there were only the elite, the ones that were, felt like they had a place at the table. They were coming and drinking and drinking and drinking and getting drunk. And then those that really weren't allowed, there was nothing left for them. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, when you, when you do this, check yourself. Check yourself that you do it with a good heart. Check yourself that you do it with a mind. Say, God, examine me. And so that's what I'm calling for you today. I don't want to hold anybody back. There's enough, and if there's not enough, we'll buy some more. But there's a place for everyone here at the table. I don't want you to be disqualified. Do you have to be a member? No. Do you have to come to this church again? No. The table, he said, do this in remembrance of me. The table says, my body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you so that you can receive forgiveness. When Jesus talked to people, he said, you follow me. You follow me. He said, repent. Those that were caught in sin and the Jews wanted to kill all the time. He said, listen, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Turn from this life and follow me. And so that's what we're going to do right now is the worship team is going to play softly. And normally we, we, you know, we give it out, but I, I, I want you to take a step. Some of you need to do this. Some of you are fine. You know already, whatever. But some of you need to do this. Uh, you need to say, I'm going to get out of my seat and I'm going to make a decision to come forward and receive the forgiveness of God. So I'll just open that up right now as we start. Whenever you're ready, you can come and receive the forgiveness of God. And when you, when you take it, listen, when you take it in your hands, take it back to your seat and spend a few moments there by yourself in prayer and say, God, I just, I turn. I turn from my sin, I turn from my ways, and I surrender to yours. There's no more 
beautiful picture of togetherness. Then enjoying communion together. Let this be a time of examination and reflection. If you came for the first time today, let me just tell you this. For the next couple of weeks, I'll just be sharing a little bit on on this theme. So I invite you to come back again couple more times and just see if this is the place that God would have you. 